You're listening to Wait On Purpose Podcast, the show for single women who want to overcome emotional discomfort with being single, understand the fear of being alone, and transform it to self-love while celebrating this season with joy, purpose, and passion. Each week, we'll explore topics on how to optimize your season of singleness and become who you want to attract. Now, here's your host, Tracy Noel, the introverted empath. Welcome back to another episode of Wait on Purpose. I'm Tracy, and thank you so much for joining me today and supporting this podcast. I mean, I really appreciate it. And one thing that I told myself when I created this podcast is that I was going to be raw and authentic, and I was going to talk about topics that have been uncomfortable for me and also speak my truth and speak on what I'm struggling with and what I'm learning and what I'm healing from in hopes that it will reach just one person and connect with just one person to let them know look, they are not alone in what they are going through and what they are struggling with and what they are healing. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to speak my truth. So thank you again for holding this space with me. And as you may know, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. It is also Domestic Violence Awareness Month, something that I really hold dear to my heart and something that I am an advocate for. So I wanted to share a few statistics according to act.liveyourdream.org. So, every nine seconds, a woman in the U.S. is a victim of domestic violence. Every nine seconds. 4,774,000 women in the U.S. experience physical violence by an intimate partner every year. Women ages 18 through 34 are at the greatest risk of becoming domestic violence victims. One in four women will experience domestic violence in her lifetime. Domestic violence is the third leading cause of homelessness among families. Each year, 2 million injuries and 1,000 300 deaths are caused as a result of domestic violence. Domestic violence can negatively impact a woman's mental and physical health over the long term. And guess what? Her children's mental well-being is also at risk of long-term damage. Three women are murdered every day by an intimate partner three and it's common for domestic violence victims to experience a loss of productivity decreased earning potential and reduction in overall financial security and guess what domestic violence is not just physical abuse can also be sexual psychological emotional and financial 
and digital abuse and stalking also counts so look it took me about three minutes to finish these statistics and during that time over 20 women have become a victim of domestic violence so if you or someone you know is in immediate danger please call 911 the National Domestic Violence Hotline is 1-800-799-7233. And advocates are available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, and 365 days a year to provide confidential counseling, crisis intervention, and safety planning, as well as information and referrals to agencies in all 50 states, Puerto Rico, and the U.S. Virgin Islands. So what is domestic violence? Well, well, according to um, the hotline.org, domestic violence, which is also called um, IPV, which is intimate partner violence, domestic abuse, or relationship abuse, is a pattern of behaviors used by one partner to maintain power and control over another partner in an intimate relationship and domestic violence does not discriminate so anyone of any race age sexual orientation religion or gender can be a victim or the perpetrator and it can happen to people who are married living together or who are just dating and it affects people of all socioeconomic backgrounds and education levels so anyone can be a victim anyone can be a perpetrator and domestic violence includes behaviors that physically harm arouse fear prevent a partner from doing what they wish or force them to behave in ways that they do not want to and it includes the use of physical and sexual violence threats and intimidation, emotional abuse, and economic deprivation. And many of these different forms of domestic violence or abuse can be occurring at any one time within the same intimate relationship. So let's talk about it because it's real. And it's a silent killer among so many women. So many women have lost their lives and their livelihoods due to domestic violence. And they don't like to talk about it. We don't like to talk about it, especially the victims. I know for a long time, I was not able to talk about it. Because growing up, I was really this... I don't know, jovial and bold and loud and obnoxious and very, um, you know, no-nonsense type of person. So I didn't think for once that people would believe that I would allow for a man to hit me. And I didn't want people to feel like that I was fishing for this attention or playing this victim mentality role. So not only was I ashamed and embarrassed to admit 
that this was going on in my life. I was also fearful of what people would think of me. And during the time that it was happening, I was so closed off to my family that it would take months for anyone to even check in on me to see how I was doing, which let my abuser know that I didn't even have a support system. And he would feed me information like, man, they ain't even checking on you. They don't care about you. You can't trust them. So I was suffering in silence and I felt like the only person that had my back and that was with me and supporting me was him. And I can remember, I can remember going to work with a busted lip and a black eye, having to make up these crazy stories about how it happened and seeing actually seeing the faces of people who knew I was lying like they knew I was lying but still they didn't offer help or support I can remember feeling like a hostage in my own home there would be times after a fight that the man that I was with that I thought I loved would take my phone, my keys to my apartment, my money, and my car and leave me for hours. And then come back that same night and try to start a fight with me so he can release the anger that he was feeling from that day. And it's still hard to talk about because when I look back, I'm like, who was that woman? Who was that woman? What was I going through inside that I allowed that to happen to me? And people just look at you so different when you tell them this is what you've been through. Some people automatically paint you out as guilty. And start to judge you and blame you. Oh, was it your mouth? Because you know you got a smart mouth. Right? Did you start with him? Right? They automatically place the blame on you. Especially those who don't understand the mind control. The need for love. The need for affection. That keeps you there. The fear. And I can remember the look in this man's eyes as he wrapped my hands and tried to wrap my legs up with duct tape right downstairs from his mother's apartment. We were right in the parking lot. And when I pleaded with him and apologized for whatever I may have said or done to upset him, I didn't even know. And I prayed for him to please stop he placed duct tape on my mouth to shut me up and the only way I was able to get a lie, uh, get away thank God was when he got out of my car to open my trunk and I busted out of the door ran down the highway 
and he caught me and pulled all of my micro braids out and I can remember just having plugs all in my hair especially in my edges and the worst thing about that is be is I had to go back with this man fearful of my life because my son was upstairs sleeping at his mother's house and that was the last straw because that's when I got my family involved I called my sisters I called my cousins to help me I was scared for my life and it ended up with a high-speed chase chasing after this man because he had my car and my keys it was bad it was bad and he used to taunt me he'll come by my apartment blow up my phones bust out my windows at night I couldn't sleep I'll call the police and it's like he will always get away. They were never able to find him or anything. It was crazy. And then let's not forget me having to lie to my son because this man took my car and didn't come back until 1, 2 o'clock the next day in the afternoon which was on Christmas and all of my son's presents and toys were in the trunk of my car that was the year that my son stopped believing in Santa Claus because his presence wasn't under the Christmas tree when he woke up that morning and here he here he is coming in with flowers and, and money and just dropping to his knees and crying and begging for forgiveness just to turn around and do that bullshit again the next week. Just doing some of the craziest things to me. Slapping me, choking me, holding my head under water. Because he thought I was cheating on him. He was projecting what he was doing on me. Or let him tell it because I had a smart ass mouth. And I didn't respect him as a man. And come to think about it man. This has contributed to why I have been so closed off. And quiet and afraid to speak. Because I, it has been ingrained in me that I talk too much. Or that I have a smart ass mouth and what I say does not matter. That has kept me quiet for so long. And then I can remember being so naive. This is how <sighs> this is how naive I was. Okay, wait a minute. This is how I was thinking. Okay, wait a minute. This man looks good he's not ugly you know or bummy dresses nice smells nice so I mean I must be special like he chose me 
right? And I can't say why other women allow men to beat them and treat them anything less than the queens that they are. But I know for me, I can speak for myself in saying that I lacked confidence. I was insecure. I didn't know my worth. I didn't even know my identity. Right? I had never heard a man tell me that I was special and that I was worthy. So my validation was so strong that as long as these men stayed with me, then that was my validation that he loved me, that I was special. And I felt like, man, this is part of the relationship dynamic, right? Why else would a man get so angry if he didn't love a woman? This is what I was thinking. Why would he stay with me if he didn't love me? Why would he make me feel so good, make love to me and make me feel so good and do all of these things that made me feel so good, that made me feel special? Buy me flowers, buy my son's shoes and clothes, clean up my house, cook for me, rub my feet, say some of the sweetest things, and even bring me around his mother and his sister and his boys? Or oh, if he didn't love me, why was he doing all that? So I honestly thought the abuse was part of the relationship dynamic. Like this was normal, right? I had never had no one tell me different. Never. And deep down inside, you know it's not right. I know that I wasn't supposed to be treated like that. I know that didn't sit right in my spirit. But I stayed because I was comfortable. I was fearful. I didn't feel like I could get anyone else. It's, it's the weirdest space to be in when you feel like there is no way out. And that it would get better. And you hold on to the good moments, right? You hold on to those moments. And you forget about the bad moments. Then once you decide to leave a, a situation where you are being abused. If you try to do it by yourself. Without a plan or without support. It can get extremely hard dark and lonely and you find yourself going back you find yourself going back when I was evicted I can remember staying from pillar to post I stayed with some friends I stayed with some family didn't work out didn't work out so I can remember having my furniture and you store it right there on uh, Hosted in Harvey. And I had all of my furniture in there. I had um, mattress. I, actually, it wasn't even. No, yeah, I had my mattresses in there. Didn't have any couches, but I had all my furniture in there, pretty much. 
and I can remember going into this storage facility after the office closed once it got dark going in there taking my mattress out putting it in the hallway of the facility and me and my son sleeping in this dark cold place that's open to anyone who had a key and I can remember not being able to sleep and looking at my son as he slept probably not even knowing what the hell was going on and I felt so bad I felt like the worst mother I felt like I didn't have anyone to help me and I did this for a few days before I finally swallowed my pride and went to a shelter but this was the space that I was in. And I know that what I went through, I know it's part of my testimony. I know my story is supposed to help and set some people free who are going through this. But another part of this was due to my choices. Because I didn't have a positive and healthy image and belief of who I was. I forgot that I was God's best idea. I forgot that I deserved more than that. And sure, I lost my mother at eight years old and I lost my father at three. And they say that the father is the first person who helps a child find their identity and the mother is the person who nurtures that identity and if that was the case then I was destined for this because I had no clue who I was I had no clue I was raised in the church I had sisters and aunts and cousins all around me I had a grandma who provided me stability but I didn't know who I was I didn't know that I was worthy I didn't know that I was special I didn't feel that way and I was looking for love in all the wrong places but it wasn't in vain and God makes no mistakes and everything that I have went through has shaped me to who I am some of those qualities and characteristics are beautiful and some of them I can admit are ugly and they have followed me from relationship to relationship with family with friends with other men until I took the time to heal and release that guilt Right, that, that shame, those limited beliefs, those soul ties. I had to get closer to God. I had to pour into myself. And don't get it twisted. This is not a story of victim mentality. Like, I am no victim. I have claimed victory on that. This is a story of triumph. Because I came out of there, I came out of these situations with my right mind. 
with my positive mindset, with more wisdom, with my story, with my testimony. I used what I went through and turned it into an outreach ministry for battered single women and mothers residing in homeless shelters. This was not in vain. I understand exactly why I went through this, but a lot of women don't make it out like I did. A lot of women are killed. A lot of children are murdered because of this, and it's not right. It's not right for a woman to have to suffer and be at the mercy of a man who is supposed to protect her and provide for her and uplift her. And if I can play devil's advocate for just one second, the men are hurting too. They live in a society where showing emotions and talking about what is bothering them and hurting them is not acceptable. It's not manly. So they hold this in and they don't cry and they don't release it and they don't talk about it and they don't seek help and it festers and it boils like a volcano and it turns into a violent and volatile man who takes out his frustrations, his pain, his insecurity on a woman and it's a vicious cycle. But we can do something. Like you can do something. You may not be able to eliminate domestic violence from the world entirely. But it starts right where you are. If you see something, you can say something. And if you are a victim of domestic violence, please stand up and speak out. Get help. It starts with self-love. It starts with a deeper relationship with God because once you know who you are and that you are God's best idea, you wish a nigga would. And excuse my language, but nowadays I wish a nigga would put his hands on me. I don't even attract the same type of man. It's amazing how when you think highly of yourself, and when you set standards for yourself, how it teaches others how to treat you as well. And look, domestic violence doesn't look the same in every relationship because every relationship is different. But one thing that most abusive relationships have in common is that the abusive partner does many different kinds of things to have more power and control over the other person. So let's talk about some of the signs of an abusive relationship, right? How you may know that you are in an abusive relationship and that it may be time for you to reconsider who you are giving your time, your energy, your space to. So if he tells you you can never do anything right, shows extreme jealousy of your friends and the time that you spend away from him, keeps you or discourages you from seeing friends or family members if he insults demeans or shames you with put downs or controls every penny spent in the household if he takes your money or refuses to give you money for necessary expenses looks at you 
or acts in ways that scare you. If he try to control who you see, where you go, what you do, what you wear, prevents you from making your own decisions. He can even tell you that you are a bad parent or threaten to harm or take away your children. Prevent you from working or attending school. Destroys your property. Threatens to hurt or kill you, your pets. Intimidate you with guns or knives or other weapons. Even pressure you to have sex when you don't want to. Or to do things sexually that you're not comfortable with. Even pressures you to use drugs or alcohol. Experiencing even one or two of these behaviors in a relationship is a red flag that abuse may be present. And remember, each type of abuse is serious and no one deserves to experience that. You may be experiencing physical abuse if your hair is being pulled or you're being punched or slapped or choked. Preventing you from calling the police, harming your children, abandoning you in unfamiliar places, driving recklessly or dangerously when you are in the car, forcing you to use drugs. So a few years ago, I was coming out of Burlington Co. Factory and I was approached by this young lady. She couldn't be, what, no more than 25 years old. And she was out there in front of Burlington on 87th and then Ryan with her, with her young daughter. Her daughter was, what, maybe four or five years old? So as she's approaching me, I was already prepared to give her a few dollars. Because um, I was in a really given spirit that day. I had just got paid. Right? But that was not what she was asking me for. That lady approached me and asked me, can she use my phone to call her mother? Because her boyfriend took her car and left her and her daughter stranded. So immediately, this brought back bad memories to when I used to subject myself to this type of what I like to call fuckboy shit. Just call it what it is. And I said to myself, look, Tracy." Don't make this about you. Let her use your phone. Give her a few dollars. And keep it moving. And God said to me, no, nah, baby, this is personal. So I asked her, you know, is he beating on you, love? And she hesitated at first, you know. And then eventually she said, yeah. And she just started pouring out, telling me everything that he was doing to her and I'm like well do your mother know her mother didn't know and I'm like so why are you still with him and she didn't know like I told her look let me tell you something I almost lost my life to a man that thought he could use me as a punching bag to fight those demons and insecurities inside of him and it has left me scarred and scared to love again and I am still healing from this 
And even though I am in a better space, it has took a part of me and even left an impression on my sons that I now have to work extra hard to erase from them. I am overprotective on who I even bring around them. And I asked her, do she think that God want this for her and her daughter and that she needs to leave? And I proceeded to tell her that she deserved better, that her daughter is looking up to her and that it will only get worse if she stayed. And so we get to talk and I asked her, you know, what do you want to do with your life? You're still young. And she said she was thinking of going back to school. And she knows she was looking for a job. And I said, that's exactly what you need to focus on. That's going to distract you. That's going to make you feel better about yourself. That is what you need to focus on. And guess what? We cried. Me and this complete stranger who I didn't even know from a can of paint. We hugged and we cried in the parking lot of Burlington Coat Factory. Because we shared this space. We shared the same story. And for a moment, I allowed God to use me with something that I was so ashamed of going through. I was so ashamed of this. But at that moment... I understood exactly why I survived. I understood exactly why I survived this. And I allowed God to use me in that moment to be there for that, for that lovely lady. And I told her that everything would be alright. And we prayed. And as she's calling her mom, you know, this fuck boy decides that he want to come back and try to sweet talk her back in the car. And I'm like, nah, bruh, she good. I'll take her back. I'll take her back. Got overprotective with her. <laughs> in that short 15, 20 minutes that we connected, I got real overprotective with her. And we kept in touch. We kept in touch for a long time after that. And I would just check in with her, make sure she was good. She went back to school. She got that job. And guess what? She left that boy. A boy, by the way, who was probably hurting too. And didn't know how to release that hurt and anger. Other than beat on the only girl that would do anything for him. But like I told her, that wasn't her problem. He got to take that up with God. That was his problem. And I'm happy that... That wasn't her daughter's father because that would have been a very awkward relationship going in or, or you know, from here on out. And, you know, I don't take the credit for her or that. Like, she was already destined for that. God just used me to give her a reminder that day. And I thank him for using me in that way. So the moral of the story <laughs> Is that if you see something, you have to say something. It's easy to say that ain't my business or she going to go back to him. So I'm staying out of it. And while that may be true, that's the comfortable thing to do. But you never know what life you can be saving from a fatal domestic violence situation. Even if you plant a seed in someone's spirit in the form of a kind word. That may spark up something in them later. 
that gives them courage to leave, then you've done your part. You deserve better love. I'm praying for you. Here's a number if you need help. That goes a long way for someone who is looking for a way out. Someone who is looking for a lifeline. Say something. And most times, then often, an abuser will commit domestic violence behind closed doors. Out of view from friends, family, and strangers. And they use that tactic to isolate the victim. So most times, from the outside, the relationships may look extremely healthy. And you may not even suspect the abuser is violent, but behind closed doors, it's a different story. So when it gets to a point where the abuser is in public, then I feel it's our duty to say something and not just be a bystander. And I know that witnessing acts of domestic violence can be so uncomfortable, I know. And it does leave us with questions on what to do, if anything, right? We either feel like it's not our business, someone else will help them, or it's just not that serious. So I wanted to share a few ways that you can intervene if you happen to witness something in public. And I'm referring to breakthesilence.dv.org, but the most obvious thing to do is call the police. And if you're not comfortable with calling the police and you are in a place of business, tell the manager to do it. If you have your cell phone, record it because this can be used as evidence or a documentation if the victim wants to press charges. And if the abuser leaves, you can always approach the victim and offer them assistance. And like I said, this is a great opportunity to plant that seed. By letting them know that, look, this is not okay and you do not deserve this. And you can offer to call the police and if they're not comfortable with that, then give them your cell phone number and tell them to call you or give them the hotline number. And if you are a student and you suspect one of your, um, you know, like one of your friends is being abused, you can approach that victim and ask them for um, their notes and then just let them know that you are concerned for them. And let's say the abuser is within eyesight and you still feel compelled to approach the victim. You can do so under the guise of running into an old friend from school. Hey, girl, I am so happy to see you. How you been doing? Because what this does is let the abuser's guard down. So you can offer to help them on the sly. And if you are a male trying to intervene with the female victim, you do have to use your better judgment um, because this can become risky to the abuser. Um, and then, you know, just try to slowly redirect yourself and the victim into a more public area with increased foot traffic so that other bystanders can help you if needed. And what's also important is that you speak directly to the victim only to the victim and not the abuser because this can create um, an escalation of the abuser trying to attack you 
So even with your best intentions, you know, your actions might cause retaliation by the abuser against the victim. So you just have to be as delicate as possible in your approach and just use your better judgment. And it's it's not uncommon um, for a victim to refuse help or just outright deny it taking place. But you cannot force them to leave, especially if they are loved ones, like you can't until they are ready. And it often takes an average of seven to eight times for a victim to leave. But what is important is that you leave them with the lifeline to the outside world so they have someone to contact or somewhere to go when they are ready to make that step. And also just do as much as possible to educate yourself on the signs of domestic violence. You have um, physical, emotional, and behavioral um, signs and changes in the person that you can look out for. Um, And just for instance, um, if someone is being physically abused, they are likely um, to have frequent bruises or physical injuries. And they'll likely have these weak or inconsistent explanations for these injuries. Um, So that's like black eyes and busted lips and red or purple marks on their neck you know, sprain risk or bruises on their arm. And it's also common for them to try to cover it up with turtlenecks or long sleeve shirts during summer. Then you have emotional signs of abuse. Um, you know, abuse, of course, can take a serious emotional toll that creates a sense of helplessness, hopelessness, or despair. And so some emotional signs of abuse is low self-esteem. When someone is extremely apologetic or just very meek, right? Changes in their sleep habits. They're sleeping too much or they're not sleeping enough. Agitation, anxiety, or constant apprehension. Even symptoms of, of, of depression. Developing a drug or alcohol problem. Talking about or attempting suicide. And these symptoms can be um, due to many other conditions or factors but they are typical of domestic violence of victims and then you have behavioral changes if you notice that someone who was once outgoing and cheerful has gradually become quiet and withdrawn that can be a sign of domestic abuse they can become reserved and distanced they drop out of activities that they would usually enjoy They cancel appointments or meetings with you at the last minute. They exhibit like this excessive privacy concerning their personal life or the person with whom they're in a relationship with. And most importantly, they begin isolating themselves by cutting off contact with friends and with family members. So... Share this information with your family and friends. Discuss it with your children. Um, Safe things that they can do if they witness or suspect a friend is being abused. Engage your family in role playing to help prepare them for how they re- how they will respond if they were to witness abuse. So Tuesday, October twenty ninth. I will be participating in the Black Eye Project. 
and I would love for you to join me. During the Black Eye Project, we as volunteers apply makeup to resemble a black eye before entering our community, before going about our day at work or at school. And we want to make sure to act normal in public places just to see who will notice us and provide support. And when we are approached, then we give out educational items as a way of raising awareness and thank them for not turning a blind eye. Okay, so again, Tuesday, October 29th, you can use hashtags the Black Eye Project, see something, say something, or step up to the plate of life. Remember, this is a very sensitive subject for a lot of people. And I'm not sure if it's going to offend people who are actually going through this, but it is not a jokey matter. It's something to take very serious. You can go to my website and print out information and um, just great resources that you can print out and give to those who um, approach you, you know, while you're out. Um because, you know, no one deserves to live a life of pain, fear, and hurt because of someone else. No one deserves that. And to be honest, during this time, I completed this podcast for almost an hour. And over 400 women have became a victim of domestic violence within this one hour. And guess what? Half of them didn't make it. Some are afraid to speak out and get help. And the others are like me and other women who are standing up and speaking out and telling our stories to raise awareness. So I just want to take a moment of silence for those victims who have lost their lives to domestic violence. Love this episode on Wait on Purpose? Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Until next time.